0: Welcome to preheated kitchen wisdom and friendly chat from two friends who love to bake. I'm Andrea Ballard in Olympia, Washington.
1: And I'm Stefan Cohn in London.
0: Every week, we celebrate the successes, failures, learning, and laughs that go hand in hand with baking for those we love. Today, we're kicking off a month devoted to savory bakes. From muffins to bread pudding, we're setting up camp on the less sweet side of the kitchen for the next few weeks. And first up is a dinner muffin, just in time for our Canadian listeners' Thanksgiving celebrations. Then we'll check in on our 19 for 19 baking resolutions and see what we've still got to tackle before the end of the year. So grab yourself some coffee and get ready for some sweet talk.
1: we are going to talk at some length about our 19 for 19 baking resolutions a little bit later in this episode. But we're going to kick it off right now with one of them, which is a vow and a resolution to eat in season.
0: I love that it's a vow. We take our resolutions very seriously.
1: (laughs) Very, very (laughs) seriously. And here we go with a quick rundown of what is Fresh and great right now in both the northern and the southern hemispheres. No surprise, of course, pumpkin. Yum. We've got some great recipes from our Pumpkin Palooza episodes last October, October 2018. In episodes 94 through 97, you will remember our pumpkin soft pretzel, our pumpkin chiffon pie, our pumpkin muffins. And then also the pumpkin donuts we did in episode forty-seven and our beloved pumpkin bunt from episode one.
0: Oh gosh, those all so good. <laughs> Moving on from pumpkin, of course, we have the ever sturdy workhorse, the apple, and we made some apple dumplings back in episode forty-six, and the tart to tan back in episode fifteen.
1: Bananas are always top of mind here at Preheated. We just reviewed our Cocoa Swirled Banana Bread in episode 141. And then my season 2 Blue Ribbon winner was Prince Harry's Caramel Banana Cake episode 77. Also, don't forget the Banoffee Pie from episode 111.
0: Moving on to some cranberries, we made a beautiful and simple one-layer cranberry upside-down cake in episode 3.
1: Pears are also in season and our fresh pear pie from episode 112 is still one of my all-time favorites.
0: Me too. I actually made it last week. Did you? Oh, right in season. <laughs> right in season. And then we've got some late season raspberries and you could try those out with the berry meringue from episode 92.
1: Yeah, that was such an intriguing and very different dessert. hmm. Sweet potatoes are in season and we loved our sweet potato pie. Patty LaBelle's Sweet Potato Pie in episode 101. That was the very start of this third season last November.
0: That's right. All right, moving on to the Southern Hemisphere, which is starting spring. And of course, there is some overlap with the Northern Hemisphere as well with some apples and some of their berries. But also, we'd like to do a shout out for some mangoes. Back in episode 72, we made that coconut tapioca pudding with mango and lime.
1: That was one of my favorites from that season. I've made that a few times since then. It is a winner. And Andrea, I've also recently read about roasting mangoes in the oven and they get kind of caramelized and are apparently really good on like vanilla ice cream or pound cake.
0: Oh, I've never heard of doing that. I've heard of roasting and I've grilled peaches before, but mango sounds great. What a good idea. Yeah. Mm.
1: And speaking of the citrus for that tapioca, lemons and limes also coming into season. So don't forget our lemon drizzle. Andrea, I know you know the episode on that one.
0: Episode 45, Citrus Success.
1: 45, Citrus Success. (laughs) And then our lemon spinach donuts we did during Eat Your Veggies Month. That was episode 108. And our sunny lemon bars, which were so vibrant and fresh. And that was episode 71.
0: Also, how about some kiwi? You made that beautiful golden kiwi jam back on episode 86.
1: And I really think golden kiwis are becoming the next big trend. I've recently seen food write-ups in lots of my magazines about the golden kiwi. So watch this space.
0: Okay, I'll keep an eye out for those.
1: And then finally, rhubarb and berries available and fresh and delicious. One thing that mixes both of those flavors was the strawberry rhubarb pie that we talked about back in episode 65.
0: Listeners, thanks again for giving us that suggestion to bake in season. It is something that we love to do, and it was really fun to make it a resolution and make it part of our whole year of baking.
1: So let us know what you are baking with in season this fall or spring. Drop us a line at hosts at preheatedpodcast.com.
0: Stefan, our theme for October is simply savory, and longtime listeners will know that I am a huge savory baked good fan. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Almost more so than sweet sometimes. I often will pick a savory over a sweet, especially at breakfast time. And so I'm curious about this first recipe that you selected, and it's called the Smoked Gouda Dinner Muffins. The title already grabbed me. I'm super excited But it comes from a source I had never heard of. It looks like it's from a magazine called Chatelaine.
1: I think you might say it Chatelaine. Oh, okay. We'll have to know if it's a hard sound or a soft sound. Listeners, Canadian listeners especially, help us out there.
0: Yeah, let us know.
1: Because Chatelaine is a Canadian magazine that I fell in love with several years ago while on holiday up in British Columbia. And I think, as some magazines have done these days, is sadly out of print but is still available online. Okay. So I saw this recipe. I was so thrilled to feature the magazine that I love. Also, it's really nice to say Happy Thanksgiving to our Canadian listeners because their Thanksgiving is next week when we're going to be reviewing these.
0: Oh, perfect. Yeah, that's a great way to help celebrate with our neighbors to the north.
1: And finally, how much do I love a recipe that is so very specific? (laughs) Smoked Gouda dinner muffins. So, (laughs) Lest you think these were going to be served at breakfast, brunch, or lunch, no, no. These are a dinner muffin.
0: I love smoked Gouda as far as cheese goes, and so I was really excited by seeing that in the title as well. Is that something you're going to have any trouble finding, or is that a cheese that's common for you in London?
1: I think that should be fairly straightforward. The Bosque pear is a really nice addition. Also, now, I don't know if I can find Bosque necessarily. The one that's really popular here is called Conference.
0: Yeah, I'm not going to worry about the variety of pear here used in this recipe. I have been using a pear here in Olympia called the star crimson, and it's a bright red color. It's really beautiful. I think that's what I'm going to grab if they're in season and out. And the thing that's going to be a little bit different for me, though, with the pear is that the recipe instructions say to peel and grate it. And honestly, I don't think I've ever grated a pear.
1: You know, I don't think I've baked or cooked with a pear since we did that fresh pear pie that we were actually just talking about. Mm -hmm. I've grated apple. I've grated zucchini. Mm -hmm. I've grated carrot. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I mean, if your pear is – even if your pear is still on the firm side, it seems like that's going to be really easy.
0: I think it'll be easy. It's just that it's different. You know, I – I think that's one of the reasons I'm super excited about this recipe. I love pears and cheese. So when I put together a snack tray, that is often one of the things that I'll have on there. Yes. Of course, in that case, the pear is raw and firm. Whereas in this case, I, I think I am going to try and get one that's a little bit ripe uh, because I, I want that juiciness. I feel like that's going to be important. Yeah. yeah. I'm just excited about having a baked good with pear and cheese in it. It sounds so good to me.
1: It sounds really sophisticated. That's what I'm hoping for, too, in kind of a bread basket type of addition. So, you are frying up, caramelizing rather, uh, two large onions there. So, thinly slice and take your time. If you haven't caramelized onions before, you don't want to rush that. You're not looking for any crispy bits. You want them to turn a nice, even brown. When those are cool, you will chop them up, add them to your dry ingredients, which is flour and baking powder, that pear, which is going to be grated. Now, Andrea, a quibble here with Chatelaine is that they just say one Bosque pear. Well, are you talking a large pear, a medium pear? I really would have liked a little bit more weight or measurement there. What do you think as far as pear goes?
0: Yeah, I had that same thought. You know, I mentioned recently that I had just made that fresh pear pie from the Spruce Eats recipe. Yeah. As I was making it, it reminded me of our frustration last time. Pears are just very so widely in size. And as you're peeling them, sometimes you end up losing a lot of the flesh. Yep. Mm -hmm. So it, it would have been nice to have estimation, at least, of what you should end up with. Like I liked that with that challenge dairy recipe that we did back in September, the cocoa swirled banana bread, Yeah, that they said five bananas, but then they gave you sort of the end result, that you should have a cup and a half of pulp and three quarters of a cup of juice.
1: Yeah, I agree. And I think what the pear is doing, aside from flavor, is probably adding moistness. So what I might do is make sure I have at least two pears on hand in case I don't feel like my finished batter is moist enough. I can maybe add a little bit more in.
0: Oh, yeah. That's a great idea. Plus, who buys one pear? I mean, come
1: on. (laughs) one lonely pear and then you're also adding your cup of grated smoked gouda cheese holding back a little bit for the topping some salt Mm -hmm. eggs and buttermilk now after you have all of those onions perfectly caramelized it's really just a matter of your wet and dry together putting them into your muffin tins and baking at 375 that is 190 degrees celsius listeners and baking for about 20 minutes
0: Stefan, one thing that I thought was interesting in this ingredient list was the inclusion of the buttermilk. I love baking with buttermilk, but typically I find that it's either in cakes or pancakes. I would not normally think of using buttermilk in a muffin.
1: Yeah, I wonder if these are going to veer more toward like a drop scone texture. Yeah. Do you know? Yeah, yeah. I'm very interested in that as well. I think it's also unusual to see buttermilk paired with baking powder because usually you see that as an acid paired with baking soda. Yeah. Very interesting. I hope, listeners, some of you will
0: bake along with us because this is a very different recipe for both of us, and I am super excited about it. Yeah, me too. Well, remember, we'll have a link to this recipe in the show notes for this episode, which is episode 145, on our website, preheatedpodcast.com, as well as in our Facebook listeners group.
1: Andrea, now that it's the first week of October, the end of the year unbelievably is fast approaching. I know. So we thought it would be a good time to revisit the 19 for 19 baking resolutions we made in January to see if we need to put the gas on during the last few months of the year to hit our goals. That's right. In episode 109, you and I each
0: outlined seven baking resolutions we were going to tackle this year. And then we asked our listeners for five more. And boy, did we get a ton of great suggestions from them.
1: We sure did. In fact, some were so good, we may use them in the future as a theme for an entire month. So stay tuned.
0: Yeah, we can always count on our preheaters for some good episode ideas. But first we had to narrow it down, and one that made the cut was waste not, want not, which has hopefully encouraged us to use up what's in our pantry and fridges when we're baking.
1: I'm proud that I've been able to keep this resolution top of mind throughout the year. I find it especially helpful when I'm cleaning out my fridge and pantry before going on a trip. It's the perfect time to reassess what I have and try to use up ingredients that may otherwise go bad while I'm away. For example, I recently developed a vegan blackberry bran muffin recipe that uses a lot of ingredients I had little bits of. A few frozen blackberries, some dried dates, and yes, wheat germ. Oh! You will all be thrilled to know I am down to my last two pounds of wheat germ from an all-time high of six. Listen back to episode 39 if you don't know what I'm talking about. And I just love the thrill I get from both cleaning out my pantry and creating something yummy. And if you're interested, you can find that muffin recipe in the recipes tab of our website, preheatedpodcast.com.
0: Yeah, I've tackled this resolution mainly by not overbuying. I'm such a sucker for those beautiful fruit and vegetable displays that are right by the front doors of the grocery store. Yeah. But without a meal plan, those things can disappear into the back of my fridge until the time has passed to use them, at which point I just end up composting everything. Making a meal plan and a grocery list has never been my problem, but sticking to it while I'm in the grocery (laughs) store is, I must admit, a bit of a difficulty, and I have put many an unnecessary item into my cart. Recently, I have gotten over my embarrassment and reluctance to ask the checker just to take the item out at checkout.
1: Oh, that's smart. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I just say, oh, I've changed my mind, and they don't
1: mind. Other listener-suggested resolutions included an 8-strand challah, April Fool's technical, which included recording live audio, to bake in season, and a random bake, which was to open a cookbook, flip open the page, and point to a recipe. Now, we're gonna talk about the live audio in a minute, but Andrea, how have you done on the others? I've definitely been doing my best to bake in season, but I haven't tackled the challah or the random bake.
0: Vicky is the one who suggested the 8-strand challah, which is still on my list to tackle. But I've been following our listeners' progress with such enjoyment. Does that count? Vicky posted her four strand, and then Hannah followed up with a five strand, and then Vicki came back with a six strand. So I better get cracking. The random bake idea came from Lauren, and the bacon season was suggested by Ruth. I may have cheated a tiny bit because I combined those two when I made the strawberry Genoise cake from The Baking Bible by Rose Levy Berenbaum. I made it on the summer solstice with the very first strawberries from my farmer's market. It was absolutely one of the most difficult cakes I've ever made, and I probably will never do it again, but it was fabulous, and I promise I'll share the whole
1: story of making it someday. We may have to do a whole mini episode just on that cake. It could fill a whole mini episode. Well, it sounds like we've both done pretty well on our listener-suggested resolutions, so gold stars for us. But let's see how we've done on the goals we set for ourselves. And by the way, there's a handy resolutions PDF on our website, preheatedpodcast.com, that you can find in the show notes for episode 109. Now, Andrea, your seven resolutions were chocolate hazelnut tort, gingerbread, bush de Noël, knead for 10 minutes, angel food cake, crackers, and 10 new recipes from five new cookbooks. Lay it on us. How's it going?
0: Okay, well, one I can check off completely is the knead by hand for 10 minutes. Yes. I came close with the Yukon Gold Cinnamon Rolls from episode 107, although that instruction was eight minutes. But then we nailed it together when we made our salted chocolate babka buns from episode 117. Yay! (laughs) Another item I can scratch off my list is the crackers when we made those life-changing crackers in episode 124. I'm saving my gingerbread and bouche de Noël for later in the season, and I kind of feel like I might have missed my window for angel food cake this summer. Do you think I can make an angel food cake as a fall or a winter dessert instead?
1: I mean, it's weird. I also think of it as a summer or a spring cake, but really, it's just a nice base for a lighter dessert. So I think if you have the opportunity, you should go for it.
0: I'm making slow and steady progress on my 10 new recipes from 5 new cookbooks. From the cookbook Six Seasons, I've made the brined almonds and the parsnip date hazelnut loaf cake with Meyer lemon glaze. That's when I shared back in episode 107. I've also made homemade Greek yogurt and used it in a sweet cardamom yogurt or shrikhand, and both of those recipes came from the cookbook Indian-ish. The chocolate hazelnut tort resolution is a bit of a dilemma for me. I put it on my list because my neighbor, who has since moved, claimed it was the best dessert he'd ever had in his life. (laughs) And I wanted to make it for him as his going away present. It came from Papa Hayden's restaurant in Portland, Oregon. And I thought I'd have trouble finding the recipe, but then I found it online from one of our favorite websites, What's Cooking America? So that part wasn't a problem.
1: Okay, so what was the dilemma?
0: Well, when I shared it with my neighbor, we were both dumbstruck with the amount of rich ingredients. (laughs) I'm not kidding. It had something like six sticks of butter, like three in the cake, two in the praline filling, one in the ganache, and that's not even including the eggs, the chocolate, the heavy whipping cream. So after reviewing the recipe and taking it all in, he said, yeah, now I know why that was the best cake I've ever had in my life. (laughs) But we both decided we just don't eat desserts that are quite that rich anymore. And personally, you know, I'm not even a big fan of the whole chocolate-hazelnut combo. And yet I'm still willing to be your friend. (laughs) I know, so kind of you. Anyway, so now I don't really want to make it. I think I will come up with some sort of substitute resolution, another attempt to recreate a memorable restaurant dessert.
1: Well, Andrea, despite that, you've made incredible progress. I am so proud of you, and I'm so happy I played a small part in tackling some of your resolutions.
0: Yes. Now, Stefan, your seven resolutions were baked Alaska, marshmallows, Portuguese custard tarts, Turkish delight, host a dessert buffet, do our bake-along together, and host a preheated live event. So what's your success rate so far?
1: I'm proud to say it's pretty high, but I think I'll only give myself partial credit for some, including that first one, Baked Alaska. I did order and eat Baked Alaska last spring during a memorably dramatic meal with my friend Carrie here in London. If you're not familiar with this dessert, it's a layer of cake topped with ice cream, then topped with meringue, doused in rum, and set aflame. Wow. (laughs) There's nothing like watching your dessert be set on fire to really top off your evening. (laughs) It was great fun to see and delicious to eat, but honestly, I'm not sure I'm ready to flambe on my own quite yet.
0: Yeah, I don't blame you. It sounds like that one might be better ordered and enjoyed in a restaurant, or at least make sure you have your kitchen fire extinguisher handy.
1: (laughs) That's right. And can I just say once again how much it cracks me up that while most people start the new year with resolutions to avoid sugar or eat healthier in general— we here at Preheated choose to double down on making and eating more sweets. <laughs> I know. I find it refreshing.
0: <laughs> okay, next up, you were going to try and make some homemade marshmallows.
1: Yeah, not yet, but spoiler alert, we're tackling them in December, so I will get that one in just under the wire. My next one was to eat a Portuguese custard tart, which I did with my niece Sarah last June here in London. They're delicious, and fingers crossed, I will eat one in Portugal later this year. Ooh, Check.
0: Now, you recently had some listener feedback on your next resolution, and that was the Turkish Delight.
1: That's right. Inspired by a beautiful cookbook my Turkish friend Jayla gifted me, I promised to eat and make more Turkish food, which I love. Now, I've certainly eaten more, but (laughs) aside from the peds I talked about earlier this year, I haven't done great on making it myself. However, thanks to new listener and fellow London resident, Kate, who recently wrote a beautiful post on our Facebook listeners page about her neighborhood, which is full of Turkish markets and restaurants. So I'll definitely be taking her recs for sourcing ingredients and purchasing ready-made delights. Thanks, Kate.
0: Okay, next up was your host a dessert buffet. Yes?
1: No? Uh, kinda. <laughs> I hosted my book club last spring and made a spread of coffee cakes, bar cookies, and quick breads. So it wasn't technically dessert, but it was a sweet buffet. I'd still like to do an after-eight dessert party, but honestly, I don't see it happening before the end of the year. What do you say, Judge?
0: I'm comfortable giving you at least half points on this one. Oh. The time of day doesn't really matter so much as what you served. Phew.
1: Well, you can award me full points on the next one because you were here with me to see it happen. A bake-along with you. I know, how could I forget? We had such a blast baking up the chocolate babka buns together last March while you were visiting me here in London that we released a bonus episode of Us in the Kitchen. It's called Bonus Bobka Bake-along. It was so much fun and also hit our listener April Fool's suggestion to record some live audio. So two big wins there.
0: Yes, we will definitely be planning more live audio when we're together again. I loved that, and I love those babka buns.
1: My final resolution was to do a preheated live event, and I'm pleased to say I did a baking demo for my potluck club last June and made Mark Bittman's Yogurt Biscuits, which we reviewed back in our first season's Breakfast Bakes Month, episode 24. It was an absolute blast, and the only thing that could have made it better was if you were with me, Andrea.
0: I know. It looked like so much fun, and I would have loved to be there. But those 5,000 miles between us do make it a little (laughs) harder to bake biscuits together.
1: Mm. Another reason to head back to the PNW is to do more of those in the years to come. And Andrea, side note on that baking demo, I recently ran into one of the women who was there, and she told me she was so inspired, she made those biscuits three times over the summer. I loved hearing that feedback.
0: Oh yeah, for sure. Well, I would say we're in great shape entering the home stretch of 2019. If you've been following along with ours or your own 19 for19 19 baking resolutions, we'd love to know about it. Drop us an email at host at preheatedpodcast.com or leave a post on our Facebook listeners group. And be sure to listen for our December bonus episode when we'll have a full recap of how we did in 2019, as well as some teasers about our 2420 resolutions.
1: Well, the timer's buzzed and we've got to get the icing onto this episode. We release new shows every Monday morning, and next week we'll find out if our Canadian muffins jazzed up our dinner tables, then introduce another savory treat that may take the prize for cutest title ever. And speaking of cute names, we'll also have the scoop on all kinds of mysterious and funny dessert names when we step into the language lab. Fool, posset, or nonsense, anyone? Thanks, as always, to Anne-Marie Russell for supplying our theme music. Find more of her great stuff on Amazon and iTunes or annemarierussell.com. Listeners, if you'd like to get an email and a link to the full show notes every week when our episode is released, subscribe to our newsletter by visiting our website, preheatedpodcast.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, where we're at Preheated Pod. If you like our show, please tell a friend and subscribe, and consider ranking and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you download our show. Until next time, I'm Stefan Cohn in London.
0: And I'm Andrea Ballard in Olympia, Washington.
1: Thanks for listening, and sweet dreams. Edited by Andrea Ballard and Stephen Cohn in association with Twenty Fourth Floor Productions. We sure did. In fact, we in fact we got so many good suggestions that oh my gosh, Stefan, just read the text. <laughs> you wrote it. I know. I'm editing it in my head. <clears throat>